Welcome to the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session, where we talk about all things guitar related. My name is Dr. T, and I am not a licensed therapist, but I play one on a podcast. Today on the Tweed Couch, we are counseling on Fender, better amps or guitars. Fender guitars have been an icon for as long as the solid body electric guitar has been around. The Telecaster was the innovation that people were looking for. The Stratocaster was the look people loved. Then, the Jaguar and the Jazzmaster wowed the world with glitz and style. But of course, where would they be without a quality amp behind them? Fender amplifiers have also been there from the beginning, inspiring not only musicians around the world, but also manufacturers. But how far back does the influence of Fender go? Was there a better era to buy? Which Fender models have we owned? Is there anything good out there right now? And Fender, better amps or guitars? Well, we will discuss this and more on this group therapy session with Lloyd on the Tweed Couch. Well, Lloyd, it is great for us to be together once again talking on the couch, and we're going to do a little bit of a different format this time, and this was your idea. This is your therapy style that you wanted on the couch, and Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's going to be good. We are just going to put up a subject, and then we're going to just have a conversation about it. A little bit different. That sounded a lot like a disclaimer. Maybe it is a disclaimer. (laughs) I don't know. If it's good, it was my idea. If it's bad, it's Lloyd's idea. That's right. Okay, and I will edit it appropriately. (laughs) No, no, I won't. All right. So this was my idea that I came up with was I said, you know, I've been looking around the guitar room, looking around the studio. I've been looking around at at uh, online and just seeing all these guitars that are Fender guitars. And then I go, you know, I don't have a Fender amp. And I go, man, I like Fender amps. And then it brought up the whole conundrum. What is Fender better at? Guitars? Or amplifiers and so I'm curious what do, what do you think as far as Fender guitars and amps what are your thoughts on these and and how they've kind of shaped who you are now and and what you like better when you threw this idea by uh, a while back and honestly I think you said uh, you threw it by Jason and a few other people and nobody else wanted to talk about it I thought it was terrific because uh, I was like you know yeah Not that we're going to do this, but if we wanted to do this like debate format, I think you could make the case for Fender guitars are, uh, are, they're most influential in the guitar world. And I could take the Fender amps. They are the, they, man, they have, uh, we are here where, where we are today because of Fender making guitar amplifiers. And then we could flip and we could debate again and we could both, you know, we, we, we could make a case for either, I think. Um, yeah. I have. I at, I know at the end we'll uh, we'll vote on what we think, and I do I do have an opinion on where I th- I think Fender is the most influential at, but yeah, uh, but I can make a case for both. Yeah, I agree. I can actually make a case for both really easily. But what's interesting is I think the reason why Jason and Barber did not want to have this conversation is because they couldn't decide. They're scared. I thought it was because they're Vox people. Well, that's an excuse. Come on. <laughs> Who's really a Vox person? They're scared. Yeah. 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 Well, technically, we're Marshall people, so. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I thought about that a lot. Well, here's the thing. Amps first. 
How about that? Let's do amps first. Actually, that's fitting considering that we're Marshall people. Yeah, I know. Well, I really am a I am a I'm an amp guy. You know that I listen to you and Jason talk so much. And I'm like, you guys are so into guitars. And I do. I, I do like guitars. Yeah. But I've always loved amps. And Fender, you know, really is where we're at today is really because of Fender. Over in England, Vox was Vox was king. And there was yeah. this American company named Fender. They had this uh, 410 Tweed Baseman combo that yeah. uh, was really popular in America, but really expensive in England. And it became really, and it, all they had was, you know, they had, uh, they had, uh, um, Orange was, I don't know if Orange was around yet or not, but they had a few other companies. Um, like Orange High was what, like 68? Yeah, I think it were later. But there were a few other English guitar amp uh, manufacturers, but everybody for a little while there, they wanted the Fender. They loved that Fender Basement combo, that 410 Tweed yeah. combo. And so uh, Jim Marshall started to build his version of that amplifier that he called the JTM 45 combo. And he, yep. he did some slight little tweaks, but it was heavily copied just from the Fender basement. And if you listen yeah. to the, the JTM 45 Marshalls, I love them. I, I had a head for a while that I kind of wish I'd kept. And it's very mm-hmm. Fendery to this day. It's, it's not like your normal Marshall. Um, but that's where it all started. And it all started because of a Fender amplifier that we have the Marshall amplifiers that we have today. They don't sound anything like the Fenders now. No. But they started out just basically being a clone. Mm-hmm. And then you think, you know, you go down that family tree and you think about how many companies that are still influenced by Fender, but also now Marshall has opened up a whole nother world of all these amp companies. Oh, sure. That because Marshall made an amp that was so that caught on in the rock world so much, I mean to this day you've got all kinds of boutique companies still trying to make those early Marshall amplifiers, and then a guy named Randall, who was in California at the time, and he uh, had a music store and he was repairing a lot of amplifiers, and he started to buy up the uh, Fender Princetons. The little, the little practice yeah. amplifiers. And he, again, you know, kind of tried to take the Fender Princeton, which was a little lower wattage amplifier, and he, he put it in an enclosure with that was more like the 410 Tweed. And he did some tweaks. He modified this thing, and he put it out in his shop, and a guy by the name of Santana came to the store. Yeah. And he started playing this amplifier. And the way the story goes, which... Seems to be true because I read it in a bunch of places, and Santana's never said it wasn't. Is Santana went, Wow, this amp really boogies. And yeah. so the first boogie amp was developed. Yeah. Randall ended up moving to Mesa, Arizona, where he started yep. ma- manufacturing the Mesa boogie amplifiers. Again, it was a Fender yeah. amp, a Fender Princeton. And, yeah, that, and, that and whole isn't line. that amazing? Like, and, and I get where you're at on this is that we're talking about these 50s amplifiers that all of a sudden end up inspiring Marshall, which Marshall is definitely its own character, its own sound right now. But that was because it had a good foundation and that foundation being the basement. But then you look at Mesa Boogie and what Mesa Boogie has become. And once again, it's the same idea where it's like, well, they just took a different rendition of Fender amplifiers and then had a good foundation and found a place to go with it. 
And those are two major brands, and no one would argue that these are just, you know, knockoffs. Nobody would argue saying that these are um, these aren't good amplifiers. You know, you might be able to argue that one is considered boutique and one's not, because Mesa Boogie still has some of that boutique type of flavor to it. But hmm. it's still so manufactured that these are their own brand now. Yeah, yeah. And it started with Fender. And yeah, and again, it's that I, I think of it as a like a family tree. It's like Fender, you know, and I, those are the two big, the, you know, Fender to the uh, the Mesa line, uh, the Mesa branch and the Marcel branch. And then off of them, oh my gosh, you know, all the way down to my Naylor amplifier, you know, that were all all inspired because of that original Fender design, specifically the Fender yeah. Princeton and the uh, Fender Basement. And, and, and it's not like those are forgotten either. You know, people, they're still revered to this day. You know, people yeah. are still... You know, the reissue, uh, Fender's reissuing uh, all of those, and people are still buying yeah. them because they still they still sound great. Well, and they're reissuing the black face, and then they started reissuing the silver face, which, you know, it's interesting when they start doing that because I remember when they first started reissuing the black face amps, and I went, you could buy a new one for this, and for a couple hundred dollars more, you could get a used one. Well, why would you want a used old one when you can get a brand new one that's like <laughs> the same? And mm. now we look at it and go, oh, dang, those old ones are worth a lot more and generally have a lot more character to them. Yeah. And the same thing's happening with these silver faces now. You look at the silver faces and you go, well, why would you buy this old silver face when you can get a new silver face right now? Less problems, less issues. No one modded it and... I, we're going to have the same problem happen in the next like five to 10 years. Where we're going to go, dang, totally should have bought that 76 deluxe. Uh, I know. Well, you know, I had a, I had a 71 Fender Vibralux. Yes. And, you know, and but, you also had a what? 72 twin. Yeah. Yeah. Brent Johnson has that. Um, yeah. I, you know, and you know, I never really liked the silver face look. I love the black face. I yeah. love the brown face. The silver face, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know why it never uh, really did anything for it. So even when I see the new reissues in the stores now, I still yeah. kind of go, eh, that just kind of mm. looks kind of cheap. You know, I never, I never cared it, for it. It reminds me of like that 70s bullet train. You know, I mean, it reminds me a little bit of like, you know, the old school like TWA airplanes and, you know, mm. that's maybe a Zeppelin. You know, it's all just mm-hmm. chromed out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't need to go back there. That's all I think. I, you say all those things, and I go, "Yeah, see, we don't need to reissue any of those. We're all good. Yeah, no, <laughs> we've moved on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and Fender, you know, they're. I still want their old stuff. You know, it's it's yeah. like they they're reissuing these these classic amplifiers, and I'm I'm fine with that. I guess some people are like you know. What about some new products from Fender? Maybe they should move into, you know, they've tried to move into the uh, overdriven area a little bit. You know, they had uh, mm-hmm. the Tone Master there for a while that Richie Sambora used on some of his solo yep. stuff. I don't know if he ever used it with uh, Bon Jovi or not. And that was kind of their Marshall-esque. You know, it's kind of funny, you know, when you think about that, that Fender, it's like yeah. Fender launched Marshall. Marshall went and did their kind of own thing. And so now, but Fender did kind of delve a little bit into trying to 
make an amp that sounds a little bit more like what Marshall has now become. And yeah. and it was it was pretty cool. I did like that, but really their bread and butter has stayed that uh, slightly overdriven, clean pedal platform amplifier. You know, they yeah. really haven't. You don't have a high, even though they've they've done a few of them. You know that high gain Fender amp. People aren't looking for that. No, it's not they're why not. They're buying, and that's not why they don't buy. They don't buy a Fender for that. Yeah, and you know, and they've tried it a number of times. You know, we've seen it like they had like the M80 way back when. That was kind of mm-hmm. one of their like attempts at it. And of course, their Hot Rod series, they have like a drive channel on it. And Which was it's crap. okay. Yeah, it's okay at best. But but still, it's like that's not what people want. What people want is that single channel or that that two channels right next to each other, old 60s or or 50s type of a uh, of a vibe, I guess. Did you ever try the uh, the Supersonics? Yeah, the Super Suck It. Yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't terrible, but it still it it wasn't. It was like Fender lost its identity in that moment. Yeah. It, yeah. You know. Um. But did you ever try the uh? What were they? The Bass Breakers. I like the bass breakers. I liked the bass breakers too. Yes, um, more more compressed, you know, yes. more more of a creamy over. I I really do like the bass breakers. I forgot about and them. And just by turning a knob, you were able to get a different like EQ shift that really changed the character. So you had a lot of options to get what you wanted, mm-hmm. which I liked too. Yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, they're uh, they're a good amplifier. Uh, they're yeah. still making those, aren't they? Yeah, they're still making them. They're like, yeah. I think the 007 is like 500 bucks or something like that, new. Yeah. I thought about picking one of them up, but that's that's my thing. I I just like like shoes. You know, some people are just you can't buy enough shoes. I'd be that way right. with amplifiers. You know, and I yeah. and we've talked about this before <laughs> in another podcast and I kind of hit a point where I'm like, okay, if I'm going to bring a new amplifier to the herd, I should sell another one. I don't need yeah. to have six or seven amplifiers laying around, even though I want them. But yes, you do. Yes, you do, Lloyd. <laughs> this is the wrong kind of uh, therapy. Mm, <laughs> yeah, apparently so. <laughs> well, um, okay. So here's here's an interesting thing, because, you know, we've talked about some of the amplifiers, some of the important stuff. Curiosity for you, which do you prefer, the Fender Combo or the Fender piggyback? Definitely the combo. When I think Fender, I think combo amps. That's really it's interesting. All... When I think Fender, I think combo. But whenever I think about getting a Fender again, I think head and cab. Hmm. And I think a lot of it has to do with the type of amplifier I like. They didn't make a master volume version of it. So I would need to run an attenuator. And it's not that you can't do that with their combos because they are open back, but it's just easier to do with a head and cap. Yeah. Um, if I were to get ahead, it would be the basement. I get the Fender yeah. basement, which, you know, sounds a lot like a Marshall. Right. You know, I had a basement. Um, I had a 65 basement. It was loud and it was so loud that I sold it. Yeah. Cause I went, it's unusable. I couldn't do it. I already had the 2204 which has a master volume, and I really liked that. And I found a deal on a basement head, and so I bought a basement head, 
plugged it in and went, this is so loud, I can't really tame this. And I didn't really do an attenuator at the time, so I sold it off. Were you in Minneapolis then? I was. I don't remember this head. That's why I'm, I'm thinking, yep. how, did I, how did I not know this? Well, I had it for a couple of weeks. I mean, it's possible that you were out on tour during this. You had it a couple of weeks? That's it. A couple of weeks, yeah. I bought oh, it. I got a deal on it for, I think it was like 350 bucks, 400 bucks, something like that. And at the time, they had just started bumping up to around like 600 bucks for the head. Wow. And so I found the deal, bought it, played it, enjoyed it, and went, yeah, why would I keep this? And I ended up selling it for an extra 100 bucks. So I sold it for like 450 or 500 bucks, I think. Yeah, well. You know, uh, quick turnaround. Todd Barron's dad had a uh, 64 basement head that was in the blonde uh yeah really sexy looking amp and yeah um and about that time you know they were they were that one specifically because it was 64 uh it was about 1200 bucks that could get for it now yeah they had no idea what it was worth barons brought it to me asked me if uh i could sell it for him or if i would like it I could have bought it off of them for 500 bucks. But yeah. uh, we, we did talk where we, we made a deal where I was like, well, it's worth a lot more than that. Told them what it's basically worth. They still, so we decided we'd split the difference if I wanted. Um, I, I, you know, 850, I think is what I said. I'd give them for it. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, fair for them, fair for me. They like said it was worth 1200 bucks. So I, I took it out on a couple shows just to, to give it a whirl before I decided whether I wanted to buy it or just sell it for him. Yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked it, you know. Um, but again, I Was had the Marshall, too. Was this the blonde too. one with the white knobs or the black knobs? Uh, it had black knobs. Yeah, so that's a true 64 then. Because they, they went blonde, and then they had white knobs at first. And then they went over to the to the black, big top hat knob looking mm. things that we're accustomed seeing on on uh, black faces and this was a black face too then yes it was yeah but just but just okay. in a blonde tolex yeah it looked it looked really great it, but just like you i was kind of like well my marshall on the low input isn't really much different than this but yeah you know i talked to uh uh savage audio uh the oh, main guy Jeff. At Savage Auto. Jeff, thank you. You know, and I talked to him about it, and he was he was like, "Oh man, you really sh- you really need a basement in your herd." You know. Oh yeah, and, and I so I almost, I almost bought it, but uh, I didn't. I just uh, ended you know, up solid for it. I've thought a number of times of getting a a, a Tremolux because it's lower wattage, pretty cool sounding, but the same thing still stands. It it doesn't have a master volume now. I do have a Waza tube amp expander now, which is a stellar attenuator load box, hmm. all things. And technically, I could put that with it, and it would be pretty awesome. But once again, I, I don't know that I need more amps in my life. <laughs> hmm. Sure you do, uh, Stephen. That's what I heard. You're right, my ther- I do. My therapist told me that uh, you can never have too many. Oh, you're right. You know what? Sorry. We have a smart therapist. <laughs> He's expensive, so though. So I actually, uh, to to kind of move things in a direction, you would think that we should talk guitar next. But I'm actually going to throw in a, kind of a wrench into this whole idea. Because keep in mind, Fender also makes pedals now. 
Okay. So, are we willing to say that Fender could make better pedals than they did amps? <laughs> uh, that is uh, a leap too far for me to make, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I was just going to see what would happen. Yep, I threw out the bait, put it on the line, the bait fell off. Yeah, yeah. Now, interestingly enough, keep in mind their first effects pedal was not really a pedal. It was the reverb tank. Okay. And the reverb tank was super cool. That's when they did that that first like spring reverb that everybody wanted to use. That was the surf music. So you yeah. want to go the route of completely changing the way that not just manufacturers were, but the way that music was played. I mean, surf music was it needed the reverb. Mm-hmm. And it changed everything. I mean, I think all of a sudden they started putting reverb in the amplifiers after that because they were like, well, it's a staple now. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. It's funny that you say uh, the type of reverb that was in the the reverb tank that was in my nailer amplifier was based a lot on that original Fender reverb box that you're talking about. Yeah. And it's too much for me. I'm like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> when I I, I, I just... I, uh, Took it out and uh, used that knob as a presence knob now on it. Had it modified for it. Because I was like, you know, if I was playing surf guitar, great. But yeah. it's just, it was just, it's just so thick. I was like, I, I don't yeah. need that. So Well, you look at a lot of like Line 6 or, you know, anybody who's trying to do some emulation of reverb on like a pedal or something. And a lot of times it'll say something like 63 spring or something like that. And obviously what they mean is the Fender 63 spring reverb, the little box that they had. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it, it's even trying to be emulated by pedals nowadays, which they do a great job of that because it's yeah. not that hard to do with ones and zeros. Nope. Nope. So with all that, we should probably start making a case for the guitars. And I think that we will have to do that after a word from our sponsors. If you are looking for a way to help support the Tweed Couch and it costs no money to you, then check out our YouTube channel and become a subscriber. Also, you can tell someone about the podcast and share an episode with them. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Are you looking for a party with a purpose? If you love music, family-friendly, and camping, then you need to come to LifeFest. In July of 2022, they will have two festivals once again, one at the Sunnyview Fairgrounds in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and the other at the Johnny Cash Hideaway Farm in Bonagua, Tennessee. I'll see you there. Let's hear from another sponsor. Since 2003, the Crestman Guitar Company has been repairing stringed instruments and building custom guitars and basses. In 2021, Kretzman started production of a solid body electric guitar with the goal of providing affordable, awesome looking and sounding guitars that anyone, student to expert, would be proud to play and own. Be sure to check them out at KretzmanGuitars.com. That's K-R-E-T-Z-M-A-N-N guitars.com okay so we just talked amplifiers and a little bit about effects and we really did talk about how the amps 
changed the way that other amplifiers were made, which of course then in turn changes the music forever of what you're about to see. But guitars is a completely different realm because that first solid body electric guitar that we ever really ended up seeing that was popular was the Telecaster. Yes. And it was as simple as they took a cutting board and they screwed a pickup into it, put on a neck and strung it up. And sure enough, that thing sounded amazing. Genius. <laughs> it was genius. And can we can we please make a note and and remind everyone that the person who made these amplifiers was an electrician, a, a, like a, a a tweaker of electronics where he never really played guitar. So he's making all these changes and doing all these things by talking to other musicians going, well, what do you want? And then tweak, 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 tweak. And then he makes a guitar and does the same thing. Not knowing how to play guitar goes, okay, well, but that's what you want. Okay, well, let's do this. Mm -hmm. I think that's amazing. Sidebar story, uh, friend of ours, uh, John Simshauser. Yeah, John. His dad uh, worked for RCA for years. Uh, he actually has a patent um, on a microphone that is in the Smithsonian. Oh, that's His amazing. Name, yeah, you can go to Smithsonian. And uh, it was when he worked for RCA, so he didn't get any, uh, get any money from it at all. But the microphones that were designed to uh, pick up very close, you know, like on for like helicopter pilots... Or, oh yeah, uh, or guys standing on aircraft carriers where the jets are taken off, you know. Yep. So they so they can talk. Um, Elvin Simshauser helped design those microphones. Oh, and and so I wanted to build a pedal with him so badly, and he doesn't play guitar <laughs> at all. And unfortunately, we uh, it, it it never got far enough down the road, and then his health declined a little bit. But we got together oh. a couple times where uh, he started out with just a, uh, I don't know, we'll call it a motherboard. You know, I'm sure it has okay. a different name to it. And he just had little, um, little. Uh, he could he could take a wire and he could move it over to a different hole, you know. And he wanted me to play the guitar, tell him what I thought, and he would make some adjustments. And then I'd hit another chord, he'd make some adjustments. Yeah. And that was the start of building me a pedal, an overdrive pedal. Oh my gosh. And it, and it was really more like a fuzz where we were at, which wasn't totally my thing. Well, right. But also fuzzes are relatively easy to make. So that would make sense. You'd start there. Yeah, that's where it was. And so I'm, you know, it's not a regret in life because his health declined, but it was, it would have been really fun for me to have a pedal that we built together, you know, from oh yeah, a, you know, from a guy who has his name in the uh, Smithsonian. Yeah, that's right. Well, so and then cool. of course his guitar pedal would have to go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, it's just the way it goes. After they pull out of my cold dead fingers. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you remember the movie Young Frankenstein? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like at the beginning when they go to take the uh, the box off of uh, Ludwig. 
von Frankenstein, you know, when they when they go yeah, to take yes. the box off his hands and it's like they open the coffin and it's like <laughs> and they can't like pull it out of his hands. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be so obscure of a reference. Everyone's gonna go, What is he talking about? Young Frankenstein, it's a Mel Brooks movie. Probably could not be made or showed today, but it was a great movie then. Let's face it, your listeners are old enough, you know, they'd get it. Oh yeah. Yeah. They saw it in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> they they still have it on uh beta tape. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's never gonna go out of style. Yeah. So what were we talking about? We're gonna oh, talk Fender. about guitars. That's, right. that's what we're gonna talk about. Mm-hmm. So we started with the telecaster, and of course, then the telecaster has the younger, sexier sister known as the stratocaster. <laughs> Then there's the next sister, which is the one that has the big hair that we call the Jazz Master and the Jaguar. So uh-huh. there's lots of different things that have shown up. And then they have their ugly little children, known as the Jagstang and the mm-hmm. Mustang yeah. and all those. Now, I call them ugly, but really they're not that bad. It's just that the others are so awesome. I actually like the Jaguars. I do. Yeah. I like those. I, I've never bought one, but I, I was close a couple times. I like yeah. them. I've owned a Jaguar, and I absolutely loved the Jaguar. I thought it was really cool. I liked the way it felt. I liked the way it played. It was a little smaller of a guitar. It's not the 25 and a half inch scale length like yeah. Fender usually has. It's actually a little bit shorter. Actually, what is it? I'm curious now. I forgot. Hmm. Um, Hold on. I'm going to look it up. It is 24 inch scale length. For a Jaguar, so it's even smaller than like a Gibson-sized, you know, scale length. Hmm. Hmm. And so, because of that, the strings feel very different on a Jaguar as opposed to like a Jazzmaster. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I actually prefer the Jazzmaster. Oh, really? Yeah. I it, there's something about the pickups. I like I like how how big sounding they are. Mm. for being so small and thin and Mm -hmm. i I guess it's just that the guitar is so big like the body is big the neck matches it well whereas with a jaguar the body's big but then the neck is shorter sure i think it's the neck is shorter maybe the bridge has just moved up i i don't know but it's just it just never felt quite right yeah Hmm. you have a telecaster i am new to the telecaster world over you know the last 20, 20, 25 years, I would show up somewhere and be it in a studio or somebody I'm sharing the stage with or whatever, and they would always have the telecaster and I'm like, this is what I want right here. And I would and I would say, I would say, can I can I use your telecaster for the set? And they're like, Yeah, that's great. And I would play it and I would love it. Or I'd be in the studio somewhere, like a studio in Ohio, and they'd have a Telecaster that's just on the wall there. Same thing. I'm like, this is what I want. This is the sound I want. And yet every Telecaster I would ever pick up off the wall at a music store, I didn't get the same vibe from it. So I I stayed away from them. Yeah. Uh, Because I I don't like thin and shrill. And Tellys can be that. And yet... They so cannot be that too, though, you know. Yes. Uh, and so, I stayed away from a long time. I, I think if I was doing it all over again, if I could talk to my younger self, I would 
forego that Stratocaster chunk of time that I did and yep. be like, get yourself a Telecaster. And, you know, I wonder if I ever would have moved as much into the Les Paul world had I gotten the right Telecaster early on. Because I love yeah. the Telecasters. I've always loved them for rock and roll. You know, I knew rock and roll, the kind of oh, jangly yeah. rock and roll that I like. It's that uh, Tom Petty type sound. And actually, a lot of the Led Zeppelin sound. Yeah. Telecaster. And Billy Squire. Oh, you know, yeah. Billy just, Gibbons. Yes. And I've always loved this. So I knew I liked the telly. Uh, and I knew some of the music that I listened to, they used the telly. So I was like, oh, yeah. But I could never find one. Not that I looked that hard because I didn't have any money. So I didn't look that hard. Yeah. But instead, I was also messed up because I was a, a child of the 80s. So when I did save up money, what did I buy? I bought a, a red Kramer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? in rack gear. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. With the Floyd Rose Tremlo system. And, That's right. You know, like I said, if I could talk to my young self, do it all over EMG again. But, you know, pickups. But nobody was using... There were some people using some strats, but nobody was using Les Pauls. Nobody was using Tellys. They were all using yeah. Jacksons and Ibanez and Kramer, yeah. you know, and they yep. were all pink and lime green. Yeah, they were. Mm. And they all had a Floyd on them and mm-hmm. their their fretboard had like stars or lightning bolts or yep. whatever on the fretboard. And yep. yeah, they were loud and pointy. They were mm-hmm. just... And active, but uh, since this is a this is a uh, supposed to be a Fender topic, you know, you look at the early '80s there, and you take guys like Ingve uh, Malmsteen and Eddie yeah. Van Halen, and oh, yep. just just those two guys, they were taking strap bodies, Fender strap bodies, yeah. and they were routing routing out the uh, the single coil pickup and shoving a bigger pickup, a humbucker, in there. And that's where yeah. we got the Ibanez and the Kramers and all yeah. those. They're all because of the people. Charvel. Yeah, all because people love the Fender. And they didn't look that much different than the Fender Strat. They still had the similar pickup selector yeah. system. They People wanted the Strat. They really did. But they wanted it to sound more um, heavier than a Strat did. Right. And so they just, they just modify a little bit. But it started with the Strat. And, well, and know, a lot of times they also wanted it to have either a little wider of a neck or a thinner neck or a radius that was really, really flat. And a lot of those old fenders didn't have the 9.5 radius. They had the 7.25 radius, which mm-hmm. you can't necessarily do some of the things that those people were doing at that time. What's amazing to me is that the Telecaster totally dropped out of fashion altogether. I think you told me once that the Stratocaster was supposed to be the improved version of the Telecaster. Is yeah. That you? Yeah. Yeah, well that that was that was kind of the idea was oh we're going to make this thing that's going to be new and improved and and better and they just made something different. Yeah. So, you know, f- through the 70s and the 80s, Fender didn't even manufacture many Telecasters at all because the market didn't call for them, which makes those actually quite valuable. Yeah, you look at, well, even the the 72 Custom, you know, that's when they started really changing things. You know, the 74 Deluxe. Now all of a sudden they have these big old wide-range pickups in them, which were designed by Seth Lover. Oh, and, really? 
Yeah, and they, they've got all those types of things, which are completely different looking and sounding and and everything. But that's also them trying to reinvent the telly, trying to get that thing put back out on the market because hmm. it, it wasn't as popular as the Strat at the time. Yeah, but you know, all those old guitar manufacturers, Les Paul went through the same thing. You know, they yeah. stopped manufacturing them. They, they, we think about how could the Les Paul have gone out of fashion? And yet there was yeah. what, like a nine-year window in there? Somewhere uh, where- yeah, well, in 61 is when they went to the SG style body. And then in 68, they brought the Les Paul as we know it back. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, so yeah, it's about seven years. Yeah, so everything... You know, it falls. It, it fell out of fashion for a while, except for the Stratocaster. I guess it's never fallen out. So maybe it is the yeah. maybe it is the uh, the patriarch of the family. Yeah, maybe, hmm. maybe I I look at all the electric guitars that they have, and you know, you bring up an interesting point in that there were all these people that had Stratocaster style guitars, you know, S style guitars, but they weren't necessarily. Fender products, but they inspired that to happen. You know, yeah. would Charvel have been a thing? Would Kramer really have been able to be a thing had it not had that that look, but the modern edge to it? I mean, one of the things you look at is even Paul Reed Smith. You know, Paul Reed Smith guitars, he liked the scale length of the Gibsons, but he liked the feel and the motion of the fenders. And so he really just kind of made the best marriage between them to make his PRS guitars. Yeah. Well, you know, just like in the amp world, we were talking about how many amps have branched off from being inspired by the original fender amplifiers that, that, that they loved. Seen the same thing in the guitar. You know, you, you think, you know, Leo Fender, he could have made a body style any way he wanted. You know, yeah. we have gotten used to what a guitar should look like because of Leo Fender. Yeah. And so all these other companies that you're that you're talking about, you know, people don't branch out too far from, you know, either that single cut or the double cut. You know, yeah. wh- why is that really there? It doesn't need to be there. But no. it's there no. because... Leo originally was like, ah, this let's let's cut it out to look like this. And that's what people want to see. It's all because of Fender that we have, yeah. you know, when we think of what an electric guitar looks like, we we have a picture in our brain. Like I said, there are guys there there are other weird ones out there, the Flying V, you know, the you oh, know, yeah. stuff like that. The, the but, Explorer. But that's not know. what people think of. When you picture a guitar, you basically picture what Leo Fender originally did because everybody um, copies that because that's what a guitar is supposed to look like. Well, really, you look at a Telecaster body, the single cut shape with that that upper bout, and that's a lot of what a Les Paul looks like. Mm-hmm. It, of course, it's not the same guitar. Of course, there's a carved top and thicker bodies and all that kind of stuff, but still that shape. And then you look at that that double cut, that double horn... Well, once again, that's something that you would end up seeing yeah. with, you know, some a lot of other guitars. And actually so much to the point that when Fender finally decided to sue people who were making guitars that looked like theirs and mm-hmm. they were going, this is market confusion. They actually ruled saying, no, this is 
actually the shape of a guitar now. Like yeah. it's already been established. Yeah. This is just the shape of a guitar. It doesn't matter that you invented it. This is what yeah. people associate. You can't sue people for having a car that looks like other cars because this is what a car looks like. It has four wheels. Their problem is they started suing way too late. Way too problem. late. That's why Kleenex has lost their name. Yeah, Xerox. Uh, Coca-Cola spends a lot of money suing people to make sure that they don't, so that they don't lose the name Coke as being a generic term that refers to yeah. all types of cola beverages like that. They yep. do that because they don't want to lose it. Which, you know, is, is really important. I mean, look at uh, Dean versus Gibson. Look at PRS versus Gibson. You know, there was a whole lot of suing going on and they went, Psh, we've already been making these guitars for like four or five years. Now you want to say something? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So it's interesting when you look at what Leo Fender did for the guitar and who he was, because he wasn't necessarily a guitarist, he was somebody who put this into musicians' hands. They would make some statements. And in all honesty, he needed to make something that he could say, okay, so this neck isn't right. And then he just takes the neck off and puts a new one on. And I think that's ingenious on its own. Because if you think back on where they came from, they came from acoustic guitars. Well, everything's set neck with acoustic guitars. So it would make sense that you would make an electric guitar with a set neck. But he immediately went, no, 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 we'll just bolt this thing together. Hmm. Four bolts. That's all we need, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I wonder why. Because obviously they do they do neck through bodies, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Why why he didn't do that? Yeah, and I I, I really do think it's because it was like, well, I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna make this. It's easier to do this. Maybe it's because of the planks of wood. Maybe it's because well, maybe he was just trying to make it to where he didn't have to uh glue much on. Because if you think about it, there's not a lot of glue to the Fender as opposed to a Gibson or even a PRS or, you know, any of the, like, set neck type things, you know? Well, or acoustics for that matter. Yeah, yeah. So does this actually bring us to answering the question, which did Fender do better? Did they make better amps? Or did they make better guitars? Because we already threw out pedals. We were like, no, that's stupid. But <laughs> amps or guitars, what do you think? Um, I, I'm going to go with my my initial, but uh, I'm not going to tell you what that is quite yet. I guess it's going to give it away when I, uh, when I give you my thought process. Uh, because I forgot about the Fender bass breakers. Because I, oh, I was yeah. thinking, I, I would say, uh, definitely I would say guitar. Because... There are so many different amp manufacturers out there. There's uh, or you know going direct, you know the whole Kemper world, that that sort of thing. But the guitar is, you know, it, it, it's a, it's more personal than an amplifier is. Yeah, you know, the is. way the way it feels, the way it, you know, it, it's what makes you and it or what make the music. You know, the amp is it just amplifies it, and there's many ways to amplify what you got in your hands, but it's what makes the music. Yeah. So it's the most important. And the popularity of the the Stratocaster and the Telecaster specifically, there are far more people using a variety of different guitars. You know what I mean? There most yeah. 
most people have a fender in their herd somewhere, you know? Yeah. It, they may have all different kinds of amplifiers out there. They may not have a fender amplifier, but they'll have a fender guitar. So I don't know how you can't say that. Yeah, definitely. Not that, not that they make a better guitar than they make an amp, but they, but the guitar is more valuable to the music industry than their amplifiers are. Their amplifiers, if they weren't, if they stopped making amps today, everybody'd be fine. But they can't stop making Telecasters and Stratocasters because right, that's what that's what people want, you know. It's interesting the way you put that because before we actually had this conversation, I had already made up my mind that what Fender does better is amplifiers. I truly <laughs> believe. That what, a, what Fender does best is amplifiers. Because, yes, the guitars are nice, but I've played very similar guitars that are cheaper, that play just as nice, if not better, than some of these Fenders that they're putting out. Or played some that are more expensive, that I think are doing it better. And I look at their amplifiers, and I go, you know, there's lots of people who are imitating it. But there's just something so sexy about a tweed amplifier. There's something so cool about the way they do a combo. There's something so cool about the way they do a piggyback. And there is just a number of different things that when I look at it, I go, it's the amplifier. Like, the amplifier is what Fender does best. But, I will say this, if I had to choose what makes the biggest impact and what is the biggest iconic portion of Fender is definitely the guitar. It has to be their guitars. I mean, when you think about it, whenever you see like somebody wearing like a shirt that has a generic shaped guitar on it, it's a Fender. Nobody has a generic shaped amp shirt. You know, and generally yeah. when they do, I see them usually looking like Marshalls or Voxes. I don't see them looking like Fenders. Yeah. So really the guitar, its shape, what people have been playing, you know, like you said, the the fact that, you know, people may not have a Fender uh, amplifier sitting on their on their floor or in their garage or or on their stage, but they generally will have a Fender guitar or a Fender inspired guitar sitting in their herd. I, I'm with hmm. you. I'm with hmm. you. So I'm 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 a little I'm a little tossed. I think what <laughs> they do best is actually amplifiers. But with that said, I think you are correct. I think that as far as what they've been to the industry and what they continue to be, and the fact that they could stop making amplifiers tomorrow and they'll be just fine it's because of their guitar it is the most personal thing that we really have it's what we actually touch and connect with yeah yeah that's That's crazy yeah this is what i said it would be really fun to do this kind of in a debate format you know yeah (laughs) make the case because because you because you made a really good case for the amps right there too you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, that's what we've been talking about. The Specifically, the history of you can't get around that the amplifiers we have today, a lot of them were inspired because of Fender and Vox. Yeah. Pretty much every amp we have today, you could trace their lineage down to those two. 
Now, like some of the the high watt, the orange, but uh, they're not the emulated park. as much. Yeah. Yeah, the Supro. Yeah, they were there, but it's really the Vox. The, it people want the they they either want the uh, what is it the five e three circuit? Yeah, the five e three the 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 which is the uh, the basement combo. That's what you hear them talk about. They're all like, oh, when it we it it, it emulates the five e three circuit or the or the Vox the AC thirty circuit. Yeah, you know that's what everybody does. The, the AA one sixty eight circuit. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's good. No, it's um, the 173 you got to have. It's like, what? I don't, what is the deal? Yeah, so I don't know. But that's but. only if you have, like, mullards. But but what if you used wing C's? No, 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 no. It's about groove tube. Mm-hmm. What about... Uh, mm-hmm. We, we got to do that one, tubes for noobs. We need yeah. to have that conversation sometime, too. Yeah, I know you, you, you said that. I can't imagine anybody listening to that, but we'll give it a no, go. No, nobody will listen, but it'll be fun for us. Much like this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Well, I'm glad that we got to talk about this. I, I hope people found this interesting. Uh, I know that I had a good time. I, I think I had my, my mind changed a couple of times. And then I went, no, no, no. And then I came back to it. Because it's true. Fender makes excellent stuff. Period. Yes, like, they do. Yep. Period. I'm, so I'm, the, world, the world is a better place because of Fender. That's exactly right. Mm. Yep. Whether it be their their big boomy amplifiers, or it be their lush spring reverb, or it be their um, their their cutting board with a pickup put onto it, or the one with the sexy curves. Either way, whatever your flavor is, Fender amplifiers and and reverb and guitars, they are all excellent, and uh, they have been an icon for years. Well, that concludes our time of the Tweed Couch Guitar Therapy Session. If you liked what you heard, leave five stars and a review. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Tweed Couch. Until next time. <laughs>